world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, kind of excited to get down here this morning. Always excited, but kind of excited to get down here this morning. Your question is, we were just talking before we went on the air here in the pre-show. You know, Joe Silver. Joe Silver needs our prayer. Mark Mattingly needs our prayer. Bobby Lee's mother needs our prayer. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on, right? It comes back to the the very simple question that uh, I remember a long time ago. Really, I guess it was kind of even before I was saved. Um, Why do bad things happen to good people? We all wonder that, don't we? And I think, again, I think that's one of the I think that's one of the greatest blockages to uh, to the lost world, as the atheist as the atheist argument goes. Either God's all powerful, or He's not all good. I don't know if you guys know this or not. This is the atheist argument against the existence of God. He's either not all powerful, or He's not all good. It's a great argument if you think about it, right? And for those of us who, uh, who uh, live our lives as Christians, we tend to always justify away something that appears to be really, really evil and ask ourselves, Lord, where would you let that happen? Like my buddy uh, Rodney. Hope you're out there, Rod. Uh, my buddy Rodney's son. Rodney and I are second cousins and uh, high school teammates. We go back. We go back a long way. And uh, Rob, Rodney takes me to breakfast when, every once in a while. Pays for it even. And uh, on Saturday night, was it Saturday night? What is today? You have Saturday night, I think it was. His his son's fiance was uh, killed in a uh, one-way, a driver driving the wrong way on the freeway. You guys have heard that happening before, right? And his, his, his future daughter-in-law was killed when, when a driver goes the wrong way on the freeway. Probably drunk, right? Probably drunk. How does that happen? Say, Lord, how does that happen? Going again, going to the atheist argument. What's the atheist argument? God's either not all powerful, or He's not all good. But we justify it away because we say, well, the Bible tells us that. Uh, 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 it's always. Uh, I'm sorry, I was lost my train of thought. The Bible tells us there that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, that God will make good out of it. But then the atheist would say, well, if God's going to make good out of it, why would it, why would it happen to my, my son's girlfriend? Why can't it happen? Why can't God make good out of it without somebody dying in the midst of it? Those are the unanswerable ones, aren't they? Those are, in fact, the unanswerable ones. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with this. I really uh, think those of us who carry the name of Christ do not understand that our life is not about this life. 
It's not about this life. And this is a fallen world. And uh, there's a real devil. There's a real one. And there are real dark forces going on. They're real ones. They really are influencing evil. And, you know, I get up every day, and if I could get Michelle on the phone right now, I don't know if she's up. She's up there. She's drinking a cup of coffee. She would read, read Psalm 91. In fact, many of you have heard her pray Psalm 91. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And just before I came down here this morning, I went over and laid my hands on my wife. And by because I'm the head of the house, I'm the authority over this home. I'm not only in the authority over this home, I'm the authority over all those who are under my authority. My my daughters, my son, and their families. If I believe the authority structure, those who dwell in the secret place of the most high abide under my sh- the shadow. So therefore, when I pray blessing over my family, it covers my family, unless they walk out from under that blessing. And I don't have the right or the ability to protect them if they walk out from under my covering. Do you, does that, you guys understand that? you understand that? And that there are consequences to sin. And even though Rodney's daughter-in-law, future daughter-in-law, may have been covered by Rod, you walk out from under that umbrella and you don't know what's going to happen. But again, keep this in mind. For those of us who who struggle through this earthly Life, 70 years have been struggling through it. It's not about this life. Real quickly, uh, producer, bring up Ecclesiastes 7. I've, I've, I've read this. I can't, I can't believe this, okay? I've read this a million times. No, that's a lie. I've read this a bunch of lot times. But I, I just, I find it hard to believe. This is the Bible, folks. A good name is better than precious ointment. In the day of death, in the day of one's birth. That's the word of God. That literally, if someone is under the covering of the Almighty, the day they die, we should celebrate. Now, we grieve because we miss them. But it's it's a promotion. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Why? Because we're birthed onto a battlefield. And death is a promotion. If you're under the secret place of the Most High, it's hard for us to swallow, isn't it? We cling so much to this world. And I'll bet you this, that anybody, well, I, I came up with this one too, Betty. Are you ready for this one? The, uh, the, uh, I, get, I, I think differently than most people. <laughs> I, just, I just swear that I do. <laughs> and I was laying in bed the other night, <clears throat> and I've been playing this, this app when I sleep. I don't have it up here on the right. I'm going to pull it up here right now. But I play this app on my phone when I sleep at night, and it's a continuation, 10 hours of selected Bible verses, just one verse after another after another. So Michelle and I, we sleep in the same bedroom. Our, our, our bedroom is permeated with the Word of God all night long, all night long. Michelle, she was down here. Maybe I, maybe I ought to have her come down and be my guest host here one day so some of you can get to know her better. She always prays a protective prayer over us when we go to sleep at night. Always does. Always does. You say, Coach, why don't you? Well, she does. She doesn't. She hasn't memorized. But the reality of it is I get up this morning. I don't know what the day holds. I might get promoted today. 
And I know this when I get promoted. In, oh, wait, I lost my train of thought. So I'm laying there and I'm listening to these Bible verses because a lot of times you can't go to sleep because you're, right? You guys with your days repeat, right? And so I got these Bible verses back going on in the background and I'll, they'll start one and I'll hear it. And I kind of repeat. Eventually it puts me to sleep. But I had one that popped out and hit me, boom, right in the face. You ready? Hey, Joanne, you ready to get smacked in the face here this morning? You ready to get smacked in the face? Why do we say when somebody dies that they rest in peace? Boom. If they're going to heaven, if they're immediately going to heaven, they're resting? They're going to go to heaven and rest? No. See, we're confused, aren't we? We're confused. We don't, underst- we don't really understand this death thing. We don't really understand. Because if I understand it properly, when I die... I'm free from the constraints of this world. I ain't resting. I ain't resting, man. I'm off and running and leaping, and I'm in a whole new realm saying, holy smoke, why would anybody want to go back to that old earth? Why would anybody want to go back to that place? Woo, thank you, Lord, right? Right? So this confusion that we really – see, we're all, we're all going to face death. All of us are. All, we're all, ain't nobody got out of here alive. Well, maybe a couple. And nobody ever got out of here in their, in their natural body. Never. And we're all going to face that, that point of death. And as much as I, laying there, when I'm laying there on my deathbed, or if I'm driving down the road and somebody goes left to center and, and smacks me, boy, it's at that moment. I'm looking at my screen. It's at that moment. I better be in right relationship with Christ. I better be dwelling under that secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. I better be under that thing then. Amen. Because death is a tragedy to those who are not under that umbrella, to those who are not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. See, if I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, death has no power over me, has no power over me. I'm gone. Boom, instantaneously translated from the kingdom of darkness. Well, actually, I'm already in the kingdom of his dear son. I'm already walking in the light. But I can't can't understand that I'm walking in the light because I'm stuck in this natural world. And so death is promotion. It's a celebration. The day of death. That doesn't mean my heart wouldn't ache. If my sweet little Michelle were to get, were, were to leave me, oh, I'd grieve and grieve and grieve. My love for her. I wouldn't grieve for her. I'd grieve for me because I miss her. You with me? And so what we do during the time of death is if a Christian dies, it's a good thing, friends. It's a good thing. Now, it's not good for me because I miss her. But it's a good thing for her if you believe this. That wherever she goes, wherever I would go, am I going to be resting in peace? Or am I going to be Walking with my Savior, or am I going to be in suspended animation? Like he said to uh, Lazarus, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. We don't know, do we? We don't know. Jesus said to the guy on the cross, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Where's that? (laughs) It doesn't say I'll be awake with him. What does it do? It doesn't say this day you and me are going to be walking around playing, playing golf, <laughs> which I did on Saturday, by the way. January 28th. Can you believe that? January 28th. 
I played golf. Oh, I, I got stream of consciousness going on. I had so much fun because I played my little seven-year-old grandson, played my two son-in-laws, my little seven-year-old grandson. When he finally kind of figures out that, you know, he, he swings as hard when he putts as he does when he drives, if you know what I'm talking about. And it was just fun taking him through and showing how to putt. And it was, it was a joy. It's a joy. And I thought, man, oh, man, someday I won't, I won't remember this day because someday I won't get a chance to do this anymore. And I'll be resting in peace, whatever that means. I don't know how I got on this, but I'm, I just want to finish this up. Because we better understand that the average person that you come in contact doesn't have any idea of death, hell, the grave, has no understanding of it at all. And can I tell you the truth? Most of you don't either. Most of us don't have it. We have no understanding of it. No understanding. The great tragedy would be not to die. The great tragedy would be die apart from Christ. That would be the great tragedy. That would be the great tragedy. Right? I pray Silver lives for us, for those of us that love him. I don't pray Silver lives for him because there would be a promotion for him. Would it not? Does that sound, sound, Betty, does that sound cruel? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? See, we look at it from a selfish position. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Cool. Cool. Would you rather be hanging out with me or the Lord? Right? So, uh, you know, this, this mixed message that, I don't know, man, this mixed message about Christianity. I started reading Jonathan Kahn's book. Does anybody know the name of it? The Return of the Gods. Is that the name of it? I started reading it yesterday. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. And I'm, I'm looking at my computer right here right now. And uh, uh, I'm not, can, I, can, I, can I tell you something? Oh, can I make a confession here? I, I, just me. All right. I don't like the term messianic Jew. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. Because when you say that, it's kind of like you're saying, well, Jonathan Kahn's better than me. He's a, he's a Jew. He's better than me. He's a messianic Jew. Like that somehow. So, I, you know, I like Jonathan Kahn, but that, that always kind of turned me off. That people call him a mess. Jonathan Kahn's a Christian, folks. He ain't a messianic Jew. He's a Christian. Just like Myra is. Just like Betty is. Just like Julie is. Just like the producer is. Just like Christine is. We're, we're Christ. We're Christians. We're not Messianic Christians. I'm not a German Christian. I'm not a Lutheran Christian. I'm not a Baptist Christian. I'm not a pagan Christian. I'm not a black Christian or a white Christian, an old Christian or a young Christian, a male Christian or a female Christian. I'm not a Methodist Christian. I'm not a Messianic Christian. Yes, I am. I'm a Messianic Catholic. What if I went around and constantly told everybody I'm a Messianic Catholic? They would think I'm crazy. What does a Messianic Catholic mean? What does a Messianic Jew mean? It means he was born Jewish and he received Christ. Well, I was born Catholic and I've received Christ. I'm a Messianic Catholic. I'm a Messianic hillbilly. I'm a Messianic Melungeon. Do you understand what I get at? I, I couldn't, Amen. couldn't care less Jonathan Kahn's a Jew. I couldn't care less. Why? Because now he's a, he's a Christian. He's my brother in Christ. Why do we attach? Why do we attach that to him as if there's something special? Because Jonathan Kahn could have remained a daggone rabbi and died in his sins and trespasses. Without Christ, boom, right? So I, 
Uh, boy, I'm all over the place here this morning. So I wasn't a Jonathan Kahn fan just because I said, oh, my God, another one, another messianic Jew. But I got to tell you something. This book is really, really, it's a return of the gods. Is that what it is? Anybody know? I'm, I'm looking here right now. Type that's that right. in. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Return, return of, the of the Gods. And it's really, really good because let me tell you why. Here's why it's really, really good. It's really, really good because nature loves a vacuum. And about Jonathan Kahn at the beginning makes this point that uh, America was once a Christian nation. In fact, when America came in, America revolutionized the world. The world is different today because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that Americas took the gospel to the world and occupied the world. You all with me? You all with me? When America, in particular, made the decision that they were no longer going to occupy, what does the Bible say? He makes this point. It says when you cast out a demon and you clean the house, what happens? What happens if you clean the house? If you're not careful, a demon comes back in and brings seven of his buddies with him. Is it right? And if the condition was worse than when it began, right? Are you with me? And so Jonathan Kahn is making the argument that we're living in an age where we once occupied, and because we didn't occupy, it's coming back seven times worse. The darkness is coming back seven times worse. So I'm not all the way through it, but uh, it's worth the read. I don't know who sent it to me. I appreciate you did. I read it in my sauna yesterday. Yeah, my multi-million dollar sauna that I buy with all your donations. Daryl Eckbert sent it to you. Pardon me? Daryl Eckbert sent it to you. Daryl, thank you, Daryl, for sending it to me. So I'm in the the midst of reading that today. And it it led me to, uh, Myra already prayed us in. it led me to a couple things I want to talk about. So Silver and Rodney, and of course, Mark Madeline, continue to pray for them and put those, if somebody can, go and put their addresses in the, hey, everybody would love to get a card with five bucks in it. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. Mark Madeline's not able to work the way he worked. And Silver, we know what's going on with Silver. And, and uh, Bobby Lee. So, so put, maybe we can get those addresses in and do what, do what we want to do with them. Um, but I want to talk about something here real quickly. God, it wouldn't be quickly. I'm 19 minutes into this thing. I already got hands up. People want to talk to me already. I can't let you in here yet. Hang on. I want to. Did you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys watched the, uh, for lack of a better term, the murder of that, that uh, Ty Nick, Tyree Nichols, the guy down in uh, Memphis. That they're trying to make it a racial issue. I'm staying, Stay with me. They're trying to make it a racial issue again. Right, even though Tyree Nichols, who was clearly beaten to death by those cops, five five police officers, all black, all black, beat a black man to death, a handcuffed, tased black man. They beat him to death. Five black officers, with a black mayor, a black chief of police. And all of them claiming now, no, 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 the Reverend Owls and all these guys still are screaming racism, still screaming racism. And I'm going to say something here that's, oh, it's going to get me labeled, but I don't care. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Can I, can I tell you the truth? Huh? And again, it's because of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you down through this here. Stay with me a second. For the most part, 
Oh, Vinny, do I have to say it? Is it okay to say it, Vinny? Boom, brother. Huh? I can say it, Vinny? Yeah. For the most part, and I got to be careful how I say this, there is an element of black America that only cares about black deaths if it's done by a white guy. Somebody say it. Somebody say Huh? Amen. Huh? They only care about black. You understand that the leading cause of gun violence in this inner city is black on black murder. It's black guys shooting other black guys. Right, Vinny? Somebody. 95%. Right? This right, is recorded. Uh, listen, it's just, uh, it is what it is, right? It's just like, it's just, they can call it racism, but it's like calling a transgender man a woman. It's all made up. It's all made up, friends. It's all made up. And can I tell you something? There are a lot of, hey, Vinny, I've never been black, but I, I believe this in my heart. There are a lot of black guys that can't stand other black guys. Would you agree with that, Vinny? Mm. <laughs> Vinny, huh? would you agree mm. with that? Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they start treading on on their uh, uh, their neighborhood or they're calling their turf, they don't think of anything and taking out a gun and shooting another black guy. But if a white guy does it, then it's racism. See, it's all a big lie. It's all a big man. I don't, I don't deny that racism exists. But why is it that a black guy's allowed to hate me, but I'm not allowed to hate him? I'm explain that one to me, right? Huh? Explain that one to me. Uh, is there, is there, hey, Vinny, is it racism for me to scream and holler and say, man, hey, Vinny, somebody, hey, Spencer, you ready? Let's, let's get to it, Spencer. Let's get to it, Spencer. What percentage of the uh, NBA is black? So let's see. Let's see how racism's playing out. Hey, folks, folks, I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get you to open your eyes and understand the game that you're playing with us. Okay, what percentage of the NBA, which are all millionaires, what percentage of them are black? Uh, let's see. Seventy-four percent. Seventy-four percent of the NBA is black. Huh? Is that that's racism against white guys, right? By the way, if we had quota system, if there was a quota system uh, over. Over nearly 60% of the NBA would be white if there's a quota system. So there, there clearly isn't white supremacy in the NBA. What about the NFL? Can you check that one for me? What, what's the percentages of black guys in the NFL? Hmm. Let's see here. Does it say? Uh, by race. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, no, wow, they're giving you scores on how they do it. You guys, you understand? See, I'm making you nervous because I'm talking about these things that we won't talk about, right? We will not talk. So we allow them to continue to lie to us and tell us what percentage. Here's a good one you can find. You don't have to go there. Share of African-Americans in the NFL. Is that what it was? Go back down. Is that it? Uh, it's got to be. Right, there it is. African-Americans in the NFL. Hey, there it is. 58% of the NFL are African-Americans. 58. What percentage of black... Hang on, now listen! What percentage of black men are America? What percentage is black men America? Just black men? What percentage are America? Black, not black women, not blacks, because I don't know if you know this or not, despite what science is trying to tell us, it's 50%. 50% are men and 50% are women, right? I, I mean, come on, tell me the truth. So if the pop, if the black population in America is 12%, hey, Betty, what percentage would white would black men be? If the overall percentage is 12%, what percentage would black men be? 88. No, six. Betty, come on. Six. 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 Six percent of American 
black American are black males. Six percent. If if blacks are what is it? Thirteen percent. Right there it is. Thirteen percent of Americans are black. Let's say fourteen. Fourteen percent are black. Half of them males. So what percentage of the American population is black? Black males. Seven percent. Seven percent. And seven percent are what percentage of the NBA and the NFL? You, you get it? Because they're, they're barking and yelling at us, white supremacy. I see the NF, NBA as black supremacy. Anybody see that other than me? Huh? I'm just talking, look, I'm not talking about whether I'm racist or not. I'm just talking about numbers. I'm just talking about numbers. Number of people, black men, 7% of the population is 58% of the people making millions and millions and millions of dollars. How's that racist? How's that fair? How's that fair? Try, folks, look, this is not a racial issue. I'm trying to show you that it's a brainwashing issue, okay? It's a brainwashing issue. It's brainwashing. I watched the NBA, I watched the uh, Bengals get beat last night at the at the buzzer. They got beat at the buzzer, and I'm I'm just I'm just watching it. They're the black everywhere you look are black athletes. God bless them. Turn on the NBA. Everybody, I I root. I actually I'm so racist. I root for black guys. I root for black guys to win, right? So they're really, if we just kind of let it go, I wonder what percentage are Melungeons. I wonder what percentage of me, five foot six guys like me, get a chance to play in the NBA. Anybody have any idea how many guys? I, I wonder what. I wonder what percentage in the NBA are under six foot. Well, that would be interesting, right? Now you tell me that that's fair. That the only way you can get in the NBA is to be tall. That's fair. That that's discrimination. We need some short, fat, white guys in the NBA, don't we? Come on, but anybody with me? Anybody with me? I'm with you. I'm being racially discriminated against. I'm being hereditarily discriminated against. I'm a short, fat, white guy, and I don't have a chance to make multi-million dollars in the NBA. You see the game that's being played on us, friends. We have to, we gotta be, look, we gotta be aware of this and we can't be afraid to speak the truth about it. So what we saw happen with that, with that young man getting beat to death and it was done by black guys. And, uh, about 80% of all murders done is black on black in inner city is black on black crime. Meaning what? Well, they don't, res- they don't respect black men. They don't respect black men. Uh, remember, uh, anybody remember Rodney King? Oh, yeah, I remember that. That burnt down at Los Angeles. Anybody name, remember that other guy? They just, what was his name? Floyd, George Floyd. Anybody remember that? Huh? Huh? Anybody remember uh, uh, Roseanne uh, Boylan? Are they, are, they, are they marching for Ashley Babbitt? Or Roseanne Boylan? You know, Roseanne, you know, Ashley Babbitt was killed by a black cop. Imagine if that was reversed. Folks, I'm trying to crush racism, not promote it. I'm trying to crush it so that your eyes will see and understand what it is they're trying to do to us. Divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Now they're screaming and hollering that, that, that uh, five black cops who've been charged with second-degree murder. Did you know that? They have charged those five cops with second-degree murder. Who charged them? Chief of Police Black. Uh, mayor black, most of city council black, law director black. They've charged 
all these black guys with killing another black man, and they're calling it institutionalized racism. Did you know that? Because they can't let that go. So I'm, I want to, I, I heard this, boy, I got, stay with me, okay? Because I saw those guys come on TV, and they said, uh, we need to pass some laws. We need to pass some laws so this never happens again. And I'm just waiting for just one guy anywhere, one egghead, one, pardon me, one white-faced egghead to simply say, we already have a law against killing people. We already have one. We don't need more laws. They don't follow the ones we already have. Laws do not control behavior. Laws punish wrong behavior. You understand that? Boom. I'm controlled by the law of God. The law of God in my heart tells me love my brother as myself. I can violate. I don't need another law. In fact, they went to Jesus the Christ and asked. I I hear others use that name, so I thought I would do that. They went to Jesus Christ and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Anybody know? Did he did he list off some uh, uh, something out of the law library? Did he go Did he go down there and say, "Well, you know, the government says this, and they just passed a law last week"? And no, he said this. He all said, "Said you know that Big Ten that list of Big Ten those Ten Commandments in Exodus 20? Uh, pull that up there, Spencer. Exodus twenty. I think I sent that to you. <clears throat> they went to him and said, "Hey, Lord, which ones? Here they are." Uh, I'm the Lord your God, brought you out of land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You know other gods before me. Don't make any graven image. Shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number, Keep going. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it whole. Boom. First four have to do with your relationship with God. Huh? Your first four have to do with revelation, your relationship with God. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to talk about your relationship with your other men. You're going to honor your father and your mother. You're not going to murder you're not going to commit adultery. Keep going down there. You're doing good. You're not going to steal. You're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor. And you're not going to covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife or your male servant. There's female servant. You ain't going to covet. So there you are. Those six things, those are the law. And they said to Jesus, okay, I got it now. What's, what's the greatest one? He said, well, really? Come on, dudes. Jesus said, there's only two. Now, first of all, most of them probably never read, couldn't read, maybe, probably. He said, there's only two. He said, uh, <clears throat> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. First tablet, first four. And then the second one's just like that when he said, you love your neighbors yourself. And if you love your neighbors yourself, you're not going to murder. You're going to honor your mother and father. You're not going to murder. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to steal. Because these are all protective. These things all protect your neighbor from you. We don't need any more laws. We just need to follow those ones that we already have, right? And so what do we hear? These lawmakers, don't you love that term? Lawmakers, we'll get the lawmakers to make us more laws. Like, uh, let's make a law that's saying police officers aren't allowed to beat up a handcuffed black man on the streets of Memphis. No, we don't have to make a law because we already have that one. In fact, they charged them with it, right? But they will not, dare they ever let us teach to the children in those schools these things here. Oh, my goodness, no. No, 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 no. We, we can't teach those. I'm pointing at my screen. You can't teach them to honor your father and mother. 
Come, hey, Vinny, I hate to tell you this, Vinny. Vinny, just being honest here, okay? Statistics tell us that in the black community, a lot of them don't even know their daddy. Vinny, yes or no? Huh? Huh? What if we taught young black men to honor their father and mother? What if we did everything we could to make sure that the blacks and the whites were intact families and remained intact families? What would America be like today if there was no divorce? If there was still a law in the books that said you can't, when you take a vow, you can't break it. What if, what if we just stone for that? Say, well, coach, we'd have a lot of unhappy marriages. Yeah, we'd have a lot of unhappy marriages, but we'd have less welfare, wouldn't we? Less fun? I think so. Yeah. So, look, an amazing, isn't it? Honor your father and mother. Why? Well, there's a promise that your days may be long upon the land. This is what has given you. If you honor your don't love them. You have to love your mom and dad, but you got to honor them. And then it says that don't kill somebody. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't break your vows. See, these are all about vows. Don't steal. Why? They're protecting the person you're stealing from. Don't do that. That's not yours. Don't do that. Don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Don't say don't lie because I believe, again, you can lie to protect somebody. I'll, I'll confess. I'll lie to protect my wife. I'll, I'll lie to protect my wife. If five rapists show up at my door and say, is there a woman in here, pretty woman, 67-year-old brunette? Is there a pretty woman? I say, nope, she don't live here. <laughs> nope, she lives someplace else. I'll lie to protect my family. And if you don't, you're, you're worse than an infidel. You shall not commit murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet everything your neighbor has. If we just taught those, by the way, those used to be on the schoolhouse wall, and they tore them down. And now they want to make more laws. I, uh, I didn't mean to get on this. I didn't mean to ride this horse this hard. I'm going to get off of him here in a minute. But you better understand that racism at its heart is number is you shall not covet your neighbor's house. At its very core, racism is covetousness. You want to steal somebody else's labor. Mm. By the way, that's what the government does. Hey, Vinny, two booms there. Well, boom. The government is about coveting your stuff. Do you understand? Look at that. Huh? The government wants to cover your house. They want to covet your neighbor's wife. They want to cover your man. They want to covet everything they got. They now want to know every financial transaction you make because they want it. They want a piece of it. That's covetousness. That's ungodly. Man, I'm all over the place. So here's what I'm saying. We already have the laws. They're already in effect. And in fact, this morning, what I was going to do, although I've already gone for 35 minutes, I was going to, I was going to pull up some laws for you here. Give me real quick, Spence. How many laws? How many laws? Click on that. How many laws do the United States have? Oh, there's a chronological but still incomplete in the United States Federal Legislation Congress and enacted 200 to 600 statutes behind 15 biennial terms. So that more than 30,000 statutes, 30,000 laws. 30,000 statutes. See, they're not even laws. They're statutes. Have been enacted since 1789. How many total laws are there in the United States? Uh, there's 88,899 federal rules and regulations. And the chart shows there's 4,312 laws and another 2,419 proposed laws. <laughs> Right, and when these guys get killed, when black when a black man gets murdered by six cops with a black police chief and a black mayor, they want to say what? We need more laws. <laughs> they don't obey the ones we have. Golly, uh, 
What country has the most laws? United States. We not only have the most laws in all of history, we also have also turn out more new laws and regulators to manage our people every single year than most countries turn out in decades. There ought to be a law against it. <laughs> so we make one and nothing changes. All right, all right, all right. Oh, man. I ain't know where we're going to get yet. Come on in, Mike and Janine. Hey, Coach. Uh, hang on, hang on, Mike. Hang, hang on. Hey, somebody say, Coach, this rocks. Go ahead. I'll, I need. I need the affirmation. This rock, this rock. You're killing me, Coach. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Anyway, Coach, uh, I believe for a long time, going back to where you sort of started here about this, uh, if we knew how good it would be in heaven, we'd kill ourselves to get there. <laughs> yeah, if you wouldn't get there to kill yourself, Mike, that doesn't work. Well, there's a law against it. There ought to be a law against it. Is suicide against the law? You ever heard anybody be charged with murder for killing themselves? Technically, it is, right? Maybe we ought to take their, take their body and put them in jail. Put their casket in jail for 50 years before we bury them. That would probably ought to do that. Janine, come on. Well, for one thing, I don't think you're all over the page because um, you started off with Ecclesiastes 7, and I'd like to go back to that, Spencer. Sure. It says um, you've actually, in in encapsulated everything with uh, uh, chapter 7. If you number, if you're interested, numbering every chapter in the Bible, chapter 7 comes out to be 666, which is (laughs) man. And it says, a good name is better than um, uh, precious Precious ointment. When you die in Christ, you change your parentage, you change your name over into him. This whole Mm. chapter 7 is going with God, without God, with God, without God. Very good, very Um, good, Janine. And then, you were just ending it, go go down to uh, verse 28 and 29, Spencer, and um, that will uh, put the capstone on everything you were just saying. Um, Is that in verse 7? Which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not which found. Is the, which is the church. Now read uh-huh. 28, 29. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made men upright, but they have sought out many inventions. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're talking about through this whole show. It, it's terrible. It's terrible. Seek the Lord and, and get his name. And that it's not about death. It's about the death of your spiritual being. Amen. And we're on Amen. an earth that is 666. Yes, ma'am, we are. Good word, Janine. Joe, come on in. It sounds like a recurrent underlying problem that we have. It's just like the POTUS leading this country. The police chief that's in question she just got fired from Atlanta for the same problem. So okay. do we have an underlying problem of management? Hey, Joe, how about this? I, I'm sorry. My ears work. She. Police chief is she. Now, does anybody think from a biblical perspective that's proper? Does anybody think that's proper? She. Chief of police. She. Say, Coach, you sure are big. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The Bible says that a woman is not to rule over a man. Does anybody, hey, are we going to live by biblical values or not? 
If I'm bigoted, the Lord's bigoted. If I'm racist, the Lord's racist. If I'm homophobic, the Lord's homophobic. He said a woman should not rule over a man, that a man is the head of the household, that I take my responsibility as the head of my household very, very seriously, and I lay hands on my wife, and I pray over my wife because I am the covering of my family. You understand that? Why, why, why do we let them bring all this bull crap in and confuse us when it's all about the elimination of God's authority and God's order and God's structure? By the way, order out of chaos. And they're bringing chaos back. Oh, my goodness. I got something else. Myra, go. Yes, what an excellent way to start the week. Hallelujah. Thanks. In regard to race, we read in Revelation 7, 9, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with robes, and palms in their hands. Hallelujah. I thought they were resting in peace. But they're resting in peace. Maybe I got maybe I got something wrong here. Kevin coming in. Spencer, get ready for Megan Kelly at the bottom. Go ahead, Spencer. Hi, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi. Yeah. You know, I always love the quote from Tacitus, the Roman historian. He said, "The more corrupt the state, the more numerous the laws it seeks to create." Amen. Amen. Why? Because you have to you have to somehow uh, uh, control the heart of men. And we know how to do that, don't we? We control the heart of men through the gospel. Now, I'm not a big Megyn Kelly fan, although she is eye candy. That's, but you do know that, right? That's why people, you understand that the greatest discrimination of all is pretty women against ugly women. Somebody give me a thumbs up. Ooh. Give me a thumbs up. There are, there, are, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of women who are just as smart as Megyn Kelly, but they ain't as pretty. And Megyn Kelly is on Fox News, not because she's smart, but because she's pretty. You got that, right? You Tell me you guys understand that, right? You don't see ugly, fat women with hair on their faces on Fox News, on any of the media. Amen. Why? Why? Because it's all about appearances, right? Right? And can I tell you why? I can look at Megyn Kelly. She's almost as pretty as my wife. I might tune in and watch her. She's pretty. And so they put those kind of people on, and then they sell us hell. But I want to I wanna honor Megan Kelly. She's going to use the F word here. I'm going to give you fair warning, right? But I've, I've been wondering for a long time, when were women going to stand up and speak the truth? This is about two minutes and 30 seconds. Listen to what Megan Kelly says. Go ahead. Why, why is it making my blood boil? that Kristen claims to have a gynecologist. I, I really like- A male. It's making transgender. And I, it's, transgender I'm having guy. like a real reaction to it in a way I actually didn't expect. And I'm, I'm thinking it through live. And part of it is, I just actually went to the gynecologist. Actual women have to go to the gynecologist once a year. Yeah. When you just delivered a baby, you spend your life in with your gynecologist, your OBGYN. And it's never particularly pleasant to go see the gynecologist. The exam doesn't feel particularly good. The pap smear is very uncomfortable. No one looks forward to that. We actually have things we need to worry about, like ovarian cancer or other kinds of cancers that you can get in the OB field. Um, 
you you have to get a breast exam. You're constantly worrying whether they're going to find a lump and how that could go. There are things that are particular to that exam and that relationship that no fucking man is ever going to have, all right? So that guy doesn't have a gynecologist. That guy has a hole that a surgeon created at best. I'm sorry. It's like infuriating to me because there are things that make women special. And there are things that we've overcome and that we must overcome as women in order to thrive in, the, in this life, whether it's the threat of sexual violence or you know being attacked as we walk home from college bars to our dorms or the, the fears that you have when you go to the gynecologist or when you are pregnant with a baby. All those things, they're baked in. And it's part of what makes women so incredible and strong. And you can't just become one and take all of our things because you did or did not have a surgery or you put on a dress. It's, it doesn't work like that. My, my favorite Amen. thing is okay, you can stop right there. Are- Boom, right, hey. Vinny? Boom. Hey. Boom. Why won't women stand up and say that? I, I love it. Somebody just created a hole for a man and they want to call themselves a woman because they created a I thought, boy, is that, huh? Look, look at her. She's pissed, isn't she? Huh? Why are more women pissed? about what they're doing to womanhood. Why isn't the... And see, look, the church looks the other way. We accept this crap. We're the only, we're the only barrier. We're the only barrier to it. And we won't stand up and push back against it. We won't. We'll show you something else. <sighs> Boy, I'm... <sighs> Pull up the Dr. Peter Pierre email. You say, Coach, this is entirely different. It is, but it applies, okay? I was a part of an email string. I got this from Dr. Peter Pierre. Who's say, well, who's he? Well, he's, he's one of us. And here's what he said. These are some things we didn't know. So the current situation is that if you have COVID and you up in, end up in the hospital, you put on a rigid protocol, and there is a high mortality rate in the hospital. Dr. Peter Pierre is telling us this, Okay. And your family's kept in dark as to what's happening. So they put you in the hospital. Now, maybe not so much now because we're catching up. For two years, they put you in the hospital and they killed you. And here were the restrictions. Here was the protocol that Dr. Peter Pierre is telling was going on in hospitals, right? Number one, the CARES Act is providing bonus payments to hospitals whenever you have a diagnosis of COVID. So if you go to the doctor and they diagnose you as COVID, cha-ching! Number two, and then number two, the Center for Medical and Medicaid Savings is waiving patients' rights. This is a deadly combination. So here's what happens. So you go into the hospital. They say you have COVID. Cha-ching! And then they waive all patient rights. You get this? Cha-ching! You have COVID. To protect everybody else, you lose all your rights here in the hospital. And then what happens? Mm. Why? You get a payment because you offer a free COVID test in the emergency room. Government pays you if you give a COVID test. You get a booster payment if you have a COVID diagnosis. Number three, you get another bonus payment if you're admitted into the hospital with COVID. Number four, you get another bonus payment if you're put on remdesivir. Number five, another bonus payment if they put you on a ventilator. Number six, another 20% bonus if the diagnosis on your death certificate says COVID, even though you may not have died for COVID. And then number seven, you ready? There's a bonus payment to the coroners. 
who lists your death as COVID. <laughs> Do you understand the gravity of what's happening right now? The Biden administration is literally paying hospitals to kill you. This is what is happening. This is terrible. We need to stop that. These are real human lives that we're talking about. They're priceless. It's estimated at about $100,000 per patient is what hospitals. Hey, maybe we ought to make a law. Maybe we ought to make a law against killing people in the hospital. Uh, maybe we ought to make a law against making people have to inject things in their body. Maybe we ought to make a law against. There is one. <laughs> there already is one. <laughs> Maybe we ought to enforce the one we already have. Amen. You see where this all heads? See where this all goes? See where it goes? See where it goes? Huh? See? Because why? Individual rights are taken away. Right at the very beginning. Go back to the top. Individual rights were taken away. As soon as they identified you with COVID, they waived your rights. You waived your You got sick and you waived your rights and didn't even know it. And when you waived your rights, they started making money off it. Come on in, Paul. <laughs> It's more evil than that, Coach. You know, they have this, since I've been in medicine for God knows how long, it's been this do not resuscitate order that you have to put in when you don't want to have your, your, your ribs crushed and all that other stuff, right? But now the doctors are allowed to make that for you. So they can give you, they can make you sick and then say, do not resuscitate. Put a guard outside of your uh, room and keep you out of the room and let the let your loved one die. I mean, I I don't know how to explain it, Coach, but I hey, you know, hey, not only that they could say you died with COVID with no proof of it. Oh, of course, Coach. It's a they're death cults. Me, Doctor Madey, we all know this. It's time that we take doctors, and I don't care if you're at this point right now saying I'm going to give up my stethoscope. I don't want any part of it. It's too damn late. It's too damn late. Okay, so so Paul, we go back to Jesus. He said there's only two laws. Ask yourself this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would you want to be killed in a hospital? Well, there's a law. <laughs> That's the law. They can't do to you what you wouldn't want done to you. They can't do that. That's the law, folks. That's the law. And see, to get around it, they make more laws. To get around it, that one very law, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to go into the hospital and have them squirt your full remdesivir and kill your ass? Well, no. Well, we need a law against it. No, we got one. <laughs> we already got one. Gene. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, the chat isn't open, so please put that in the chat. Yes, sir, do that. Good. It is it's very, very good. good. Yep, it's all good. It's all good. That's what's happening. We don't realize it, right? By the way, that whole kingdom's coming down. We know that, right? Oh, this is so, what a great time to be alive. This whole thing's coming apart. It's all falling apart. Why? Because the whistleblowers have been right. They can't, they can't avoid it anymore. That's why you got to come in here, Sherry Tenpenny and Carrie Made and uh, Tom Renz. Oh, I didn't even get to the calendar today. Man, you got to get involved here. Yeah. Joe Allen, come on in, Joe. We just had the Louisiana Senator uh, Kennedy. They did had a uh, a judge that was going to get affirmed a she again. Yep. Yep. 
And he asked her two questions, the Fifth Amendment and the second. She couldn't even state what it was. She didn't know what either one of them were. A federal judge. Because they don't teach the Constitution in law school, Joe. They don't teach it in law school. It's not part of law school. Mike McKee. Hold on. Hey, Coach, they're trying to change that meme up to police brutality now. <laughs> uh, so, hey, uh, uh, look, look, let's make a let's make a law. I, when I was running for uh, Congress back in 2010, one of my uh, opponents uh, talked about when she got in there, she's going to make a law against this law against that and law against that. And I said, uh, that's not your job. When my turn to speak came. So, so uh, that sounds really, really good. But that isn't your job. <laughs> your job is to make laws. <laughs> <laughs> your laws to protect liberty, all right? Huh? Your laws to protect liberty. I, it's, it's it's unbelievable. Judah, come on in, and then get natural. Get the natural law professor. The last thing for me there. Come on in, Judah. Coach, you are right on it, and it's actually kind of funny that uh, we talk about this racism. We talk about the laws. We talk about we talk about Megyn Kelly, and um, I don't know, just a little bit of fun, but. Doesn't she just remind you of O.J. Simpson's old wife? <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. By the way, I'm looking right now. The, the black population of Memphis, Tennessee. Just kind of curious here if it tells us what it is. Demograph, demographics. Anybody think, anybody want to know? Uh, Memphis, is one of the, Memphis, Tennessee is one of the blackest cities in America. Uh, let's see here. Population data by race. Uh, and adults uh, currently married. Uh, my fair percent of households uh, uh, got everything there for me. Uh, it's one of the black. It's one of the blackest communities in America. Now look, so right? That do Sixty-five percent got nothing to do with anything. Doesn't have anything to do with it, other than six black officers killed a black man with a black mayor, black chief of police, and they want to blame Whitey. Huh? Come on, wake up, wake up, divide and conquer. So we see and understand exactly what's going on. Randy, come on in. Coach, the, the whole purpose of the law thing is to to get far as far away from the Ten Commandments and the base, just yes, basic sir. law, godly spiritual law, as they can. They did this with Babylon. The, the, the Talmud did this thousands of years ago, Coach. There's yep. thousands of thousands of laws in the Talmud. And what happened was they had, during the time of Christ, it was emerging. Judaism was becoming what the to Talmud, what that line is today. But when they went to Babylon, it all overlapped. And, and what happened, Coach, is uh, we we got a system. It's called the paper enslavement system. It's from Babylon, and it's all connected to where we're at today. Even with our law, we had ten Bill of Rights, and look where we went to. See, yeah. that, see, this is what they're doing, Coach. Yeah. But uh, here's the good news. We are coming back to the basic law, which is the Ten Bill of Rights, the Constitution. Amen. Amen. A lot of the Amen. Constitution is is wrong. It's not. It shouldn't even be there. They 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 changed it. They hijacked it. So, Coach, this is where we're heading, and, and we can't throw all the baby out with the bathwater. We have to see the Ten Bill of Rights. Not, maybe not see the entire Constitution, but we got to get back to God's law. Period. Amen. So, Randy, if we were going to go on racial quotas, it would seem to me that there ought to be a lot of 
There ought to be at least a white mayor or a white police chief, shouldn't we? Shouldn't there be? If we're going to do quota, we're going to do the quota system. I found it, by the way, uh, black, uh, 65% Memphis, Tennessee, black, 27% white. How's this white? How's this racism? How's this white racism? Don't, hey, folks, don't let them play this. Don't let them play this on us anymore. Don't let them do this to us anymore. Right? Because we know this, that even black Americans, those black cops, you know what they, well, the black cops understood that there are a lot of black thugs. And maybe they mistook this guy for a thug. I mean, I don't know why they would do this. Why would they do? Why wouldn't one of those guys speak up and say, dude, dude, don't. Don't do that, dude, dude. Why wouldn't they? They didn't. Why didn't they? It's a heart problem, isn't it? It's deeper than we understand. It's not skin color. It's a heart problem. Craig. Coach, uh, we don't need to uh, get other laws. We just need to enforce the current laws. That's right. Just take a speed cam. Just take a speed camera or a camera in front of the school. Put that in there for about a few months, and guess what? People don't run the red lights anymore, and they slow down in front of the school. That's <laughs> ain't no doubt about that, boy. Those speed cameras. I got hit with a hundred dollar fine one time. One of those speed cameras. I slowed down. I, Big Brother was watching me. By the way, I think they're wrong. But I think the idea that God is watching might really have an impact on us. Bobby, come on in. Yeah, I just want to say I've been in this world long enough to know that you beat the hell out of somebody like that because you like it. Listen, I know about restraints. I've been in the restraint world a long time. I know about fighting. I've been in the fighting world off and on a long time. I'm telling you, when, when, when you can put your hand on somebody's shoulder in a restraint position, there's a supposed to be basic, basic restraint 101, right? Put your hand on somebody's shoulder get them to calm down. There's, there should be an overseer. This hot mess that we're seeing in this, what we're talking about, and in any city in America with, with those that are wearing uniform, either either they're hiring, hiring primarily sadistic people that love beating the hell out of people, or the training is so bad that it's, it's on a shameful level we can't imagine. So in other words, Bobby, the, author, the authoritarian police officer, he don't care whether you're black or white. He's in charge, and he's going to prove it to you, baby. Right, Bobby? Absolutely. Uh, oh, uh, that, that's it. Ain't got nothing to do with race. By the way, our Brideon show today is going to have some of your favorite people on it. I'm going to talk about the Sultan Light Brigade. And I'm going to have Chad, and I'm going to have Bob, and we'll have some other people on there to talk about it because I am – more committed than ever to building these brigades. I am without a doubt know that there are literally thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of men out there who are sick and tired of what's going on and are willing to stand up if directed in the right way. You guys understand that? You understand? Look, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Our pastors aren't going to do it. They're not going to do it. Some will. But for the most part, they ain't doing it. Why? Because men don't want to go to church because it's sissified. Somebody say amen. Somebody can say amen. Boom. Men don't want to. Men don't want to be sissified. Amen. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see you. They don't want. They want any part of it. Men are designed to protect and defend, and they're sick of what's going on. And this rage is going to break out in a way like we have never seen if Christian men don't stand up righteously and push back against the forces of darkness. That's why I'm on this sprint to wake up, organize godly men to push back against the forces of darkness. This is our time, man. It is. Hey, I see you Brighty on 11. God bless you. See you tomorrow.